Today, we'll be directing our attention to different portions of God's Word. It's my privilege to do that this morning. So, I have to tell you, uh, I'm not much of a car guy. That's just, uh, that's just not me. Maybe you grew up that way. I didn't. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like cars. I drive cars. But I don't fix them very often or very well. And I'm not real excited about shopping for cars. Now, I've known people that that's their thing. They love it. Maybe every few years they're trading in their old model. Old model. They're getting a newer car and they know all the data and all the statistics and all the facts. And I, that's, I didn't get any of that. But when I do have to go car shopping, I do like to do a deep dive in the data. I want to know what the features in the car are that I'm going to get. I want to sit in the car and know like okay, this feature and that feature and this benefit and this option. I love that. I want to know the information before I buy. I guess that's only natural. I mean, we all want to know the benefits of the things that we enjoy, the things that we own. Now, I am a book guy. I love books. So, I love to check out the latest offering coming out from the publishers, and I like to find out like who's writing what, and I want to know like how is a book organized. I want to know like I want to know the quality of the writing. I want to know the quality of the construction of the book itself. I like books, so we all like to know the things, the benefits of the things that interest us. So this morning, we're talking about. The church, we're talking about being the body of Christ. And I want to look at the benefits from various parts of the New Testament of being the body. So, here's the main point. Right here, right at the front. That being the body means benefiting from Christ. Being the body means benefiting from Christ. I want to direct your attention to the book Pastor Evan read from earlier, the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, verse 12, if you have a copy of God's Word. It says this, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For just as the body, it's talking about the human body, for just as the human body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body the human body, though many are one body, so it is, now just pretend you didn't read what's on the slide. So if you were going to finish this verse, and it said, now as the members of a human body are many, but they make up one body, so also is, what's the end of the analogy? What would we say? So is the church, the body, or one, many members. And Paul gets there in this passage, but he starts... By saying, so also is what? Christ. Here's what he's driving at. Is that the church, at its essence, is not just a society or a body of believers. The church is the body, foremost, of Christ. Jesus is the most central reality in the church. Sometimes we just think, okay, Jesus is kind of the founder of the church. 
We have the Gospels. He said, I'll build my church. And then we get to the book of Acts. And then there's the church. But the Bible doesn't separate those. It puts them together. There have been books written over the years that try to separate these. You know, like, I love Jesus and the church I'm not so keen on. But the Bible says, no, Jesus is the most central reality in the church. And the the truth that I want us to wrap our minds around this morning is that the benefits that we enjoy here as a church are not necessarily foremost because of the people or the staff or the program or the options. The benefits are there because it's not just our body, but because it's first and foremost Christ's body. And all the benefits that we're going to talk about flow from him. They're dependent on him. In other words, I'm not just selling you today on all the benefits of church. I'm telling you benefits that already exist. This isn't what could be. This is what's true because it's already Christ's body. I'm not stating what might be. I'm talking about today these benefits that are. So what are the benefits of being the body? So you might think, I know the benefits. Great child care, an exciting youth group, excellent services, fun events, great outreach. Yes, that's the benefit of being a body. But if we look in the New Testament, we find different answers. So first benefit we're going to look at is the benefit of belonging. The benefit of belonging. Let's go later in the chapter of 1 Corinthians 12, verse 15 through 18. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. Well, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear... Where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Okay, so I want you to notice in this passage, there's lots of things that could be said, but notice that the members of the body fit in the body, just like members of a human body. Toes go where toes go. They fit there and they work there. Fingers go where fingers go customized fit. There's a design in the human body. God put the members where they belong, and God puts members in the body where they belong as well. This is huge because the connection you have in the body is not something necessarily that you create. It already exists. God has put you in the body. He's placed, it says in verse 18. He's arranged. He's composed He's put you there. It's not like if you're a certain kind of person, yes, you can find a fit. God places you here. It's not that if you've been, if you're a good enough person, then you qualify to fit in the body. No, this is not something that might happen. This is something that he's already done, not because of how good you are, but because of how good he is. This is all his doing, this belonging. 
And people today, we are all searching for belonging. We, in, in days gone by, people found ways of connecting at civic groups. Rotary club, garden club, book club. These days, you might find more community online, social media, group chats, Facebook. And yet, in spite of all these things, sociologists describe that loneliness and being alone is just a, a pervasive factor that people deal with, even in this hyper-connected age that we live in, because all these groups promise a lot and deliver little. But true belonging is found where Jesus places us. We're in his body. And remember, in the New Testament, yes, there are places where the body that we belong to, it's the global body. It's all of the believers everywhere on the planet. But more often than not in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians, when it talks about the body, it's talking about the local assembly. So we, at 316 Red Mill Road, we are the body. Of course, there's other bodies. And together we make up the global body. But we belong. He puts us, not just generically in some global context, but specifically in a local context. Jesus places places us here in the body we belong to. That's what he's done. And we signify that here by, we call membership. You can call it what you want. You can call it belonging, commitment, identification. We'll call it membership. It's your saying, yeah, this is the body I belong to. This is where God has placed me, I believe. This is where I'm going to fit and flourish. These are the pastors who will, and the shepherds who will give an account for me one day before the Lord. Yeah, this is where I belong. One of the benefits of being the body is you have baked in a place to belong. And it's not something necessarily that you manufacture. It's something that he's already done if you'll take advantage of it. So after we belong, then what? Well, there's another benefit, and that is help. In the body, we find help. Let's go further down in the chapter of 1 Corinthians 12. Let's go to verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Just as a human body has many parts... And yet those parts come to the aid of each other. That's the way God designed the church. That's a benefit baked in to the body. We work together as one. It's not like the eye has one plan and one agenda for the afternoon and the ear has another. 
We're together. And we help each other. About a month ago, I was making sure we had a rainstorm. We tried to make sure the basement windows, the kind that slide this way above your head, was shut. And so I thought I had it locked. And I went to shut it and uh, to make sure it was locked. And it wasn't locked. And uh, my thumb discovered that it wasn't locked because I smashed my thumb in the window. And I'm going to tell you, my other hand came to the immediate aid of my thumb. I didn't even think about it. It's just the way it worked. That's the way our bodies work. We work together because there's, that's the way God designed it. God has prepared you for the body. And he's prepared a body, this body, for you. The day in which we live, we, there are inadequate resources to really, truly meet the needs we feel deepest. I mean, we might be able to go out and find maybe free food or free money, maybe even free advice. But to come across someone who really cares, that really is truly helpful, that's much more rare. But that's what God has designed in the body. He's designed that it works together to come to the aid of the individual parts. I mean, no one wants, you know, a note of encouragement, unsigned. What's the benefit there? No one wants food dropped off anonymously. No one wants words of condolence with no connection to the person. You don't want to just pay pastoral staff to do professional care. God has designed the body to care for the body. God has arranged for you to, you to find and to give this care in the body. Every week, you can know this is true. You need people. And people need you. That's true. God has gifted you. He's given every member of the body gifts, talents, abilities, personality, experience. God has made you in such a way that he's preparing you to help other members of the body and preparing others to minister to you. And remember, pastors don't have all the gifts. We're not all the members. We're not the whole body. We're just one. We're a member just like you. All of us need all of us. And so the spiritual gifts, we don't serve in the body because that's where we find our greatest place of satisfaction. That is really fulfilling to me. No, we serve for the glory of God and to help other people. That's how God has arranged it. Are you receiving that kind of help? Are you giving that kind of help? It's a benefit that Christ has provided in the body. And so if it's not happening, what does that mean? That means we're not connected to the body like we should be. We're not spending the time or we're not engaging in relationships that are not just perpetually casual and shallow. We are want Ogletown to be a place where you are known, 
and loved and prayed for. We want it to be more than that, but certainly not less. And you can't give or receive help if you are unknown or you don't know others. So it's hard to do that in a group of 300, 400 people. So we have Sunday Bible studies, smaller classes, where you can take time to be with and know others in a smaller context. But you're going to need to take the initiative to, fi- to go to people and find out who they are and how they are. And then listen and take appropriate steps in response. That's not just my job and Curtis and Evan and Chris's job as pastors or just the shepherding team's job. That's all of our job. If you're a member of the body, that's for you. And you say, well, my back's not getting scratched. Well, if everyone had that mindset, then no one's back's going to get scratched. But if everybody engages, you're going to find yourself not only giving help, but receiving it as well. And you might say, I don't need that kind of help. Maybe. That may be true this week. But what about next week? And what about others? They may be waiting on you to take that initiative. So one of the benefits of being in the body is that we find a place of belonging. We also find a place where we can give and receive help. And sometimes that help takes the form that we might not expect. And that's our next point. The next benefit is we find guidance. Guidance is the next benefit. We find that care often in being reminded of what is true. Can we flip over to the book of Ephesians and we'll be there for the rest of the time this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 15. It's talking about things that Jesus has given to his body, the church. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, those are pastors and shepherds. Why? To equip the saints... To what end? For the work of ministry. So that what's the result? For the building up of the body of Christ. What's the goal of that? Until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood. What does that look like? To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And what do we avoid? So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. You see, one of the benefits that Jesus has given to the body that already exists is Speaking truth. So every week in class or in the services, you are receiving truth from God's word. You're hearing God's truth. In order to equip you to then speak God's truth. So that you can speak it to others in the body. And that we all together then collectively grow to be more like Jesus.
We all need this kind of guidance. We all need people speaking truth into our lives. It's, it's easy today to be at a loss about how to receive God's truth, about what steps we should take next in life, about guidance. Why? Not because there's not enough information out there. It's because there's too much information out there. It's not that we've got two options to choose from. We might have 200 options to choose from thanks to the connected technological age in which we live. There are thousands of online resources for spiritual growth, podcasts, websites. Yet God has created a customized fit for guidance in the church. Because in order to know what we should do next, in order to know how we should change and grow, we don't just need to know what's true. We do need to know how that applies to us. And so here in a local assembly, not only is there truth spoken, but we are aware of each other. Sometimes there might be two or three things that might be said in a situation And until I know what you're going through, I don't know which one is the best fit. So we find customized guidance and help here in the local body that we can't get just anywhere else, generically. And this isn't just the job of pastors, like I said. This is the job for all of us. Every week, you're not just hearing truth, but you're being equipped to then speak truth into the lives of those around you that you're coming to know. We call this discipleship. It's a big word. It's a church word. The word disciple means learner, apprentice. The guys that followed Jesus around, they were learning from the master. And so discipleship isn't just some six-week curriculum that you go through right after you become a Christian. Discipleship is a lifelong process of following Jesus. And so we are all engaged not only in being a disciple, but in helping disciple others and being discipled by others. None of us has the corner on how to grow spiritually. We all need each other's help. In fact, You can look around right now, and maybe there's 100 people you don't even know at all. I promise you, you can know two things about them instantly. You ready? You look at a believer, you can know this. They are needed, and they are needy. Mark it down. No one's got their act together. Everyone needs something from someone else here, including you. And you can benefit from those around you as well. Not just because it's a good idea, but because that's what God has put the body together to do. When I was in seminary, the church that Robin and I went to, little church, the pastor was always encouraging us. And one of the questions he would ask me regularly and ask others regularly, he would say, not just, how's your Bible reading going? How's your prayer time? How are you fighting sin in your life? He might also say, who are you discipling? And of course, my response probably was something like, 
you know, I'm really busy right now. I'm in seminary and I'm working and I'm married and I'm driving 30 minutes to church. But he would keep asking. And even after, after I was out of seminary and in ministry and we talk on the phone, he would say, who are you discipling? And you know what I found over the years is that when I took time, even out of a crazy busy schedule, to pause and invest in the lives of others and speak truth into their lives and get to know who they are and hear some of the issues that they were struggling with, you know who grew? Maybe they did. I know I did. Because it would stretch me and show me that I don't have all the answers. It would put me on my knees and it would put me back in God's word. And God used it as a catalyst for spiritual growth in my life. God intends that for all of us. Not because we're the spiritual answer men, but because God has designed that we move forward through hearing the truth spoken from imperfect people, and that's us. It's one of the benefits of being in the body. We find belonging. God put us here. We find help because we're aware of the needs of others and we're leaning in to help. And some of that help looks like truth speaking because we all need it. I need it. But is that it? I mean, is it just sort of this week to week Belonging, helping, speaking. Is there more? Is there a bigger picture to consider? Yes, there is. I want to propose today that the fourth benefit I want to bring to your attention is that we also find purpose. Now, you might feel pretty fulfilled in life. Work is satisfying, your family's encouraging, all the cars are running, the house and yard are finally in a good place. The golf game is better than it's ever been. Feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty fulfilled. I think when you hear what Christ is doing today in his body, you're going to be amazed at the purpose that is at the core of what he's doing in the church, and in our church. All right, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 9 and 10. Paul says that God is making known to us the mystery or the the secret of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. In other words, God has revealed his secret, his secret plan in Christ. Here's the plan. To unite all things in him, in Christ. Things in heaven and things in earth. So ever since man sinned, the earth has, everything in the earth has been divided. Our relationship between us and God has been fractured The relationships between ourselves have been broken. Even our relationship with this created order. We age. We get injured. There are cataclysmic events. 
All is not well. All is not unified. But because of Jesus, one day in the new heavens and the new earth, he's going to restore all things. And that means he's going to heal those divisions and make everything one and harmonious again. There'll be unity and oneness and closeness between us and God, between us and others, and between us and the new heavens and the new earth, where there's no more tears or crying or pain or death or sickness. It'll all be a united, whole, and healthy universe. So what does that have to do with the church? Can you flip over to Ephesians 3? Paul picks up that same topic once more. Start in verse 8. Paul says, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. Which grace? To preach the gospel... to to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone. Bring to light what? What is the plan of the mystery or secret hidden for ages in God who created all things? Paul says that plan, that secret plan that God revealed, he's also charged me to proclaim it to the church. Why? So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So here's the deal. This plan, God is communicating. Notice it doesn't say to the church, although that's true. It says this plan to restore all things, he's communicating that through the church. That through the church, the watching spirit world will see the mind-blowing, manifold wisdom of God's plan. It's like this. What God will do one day in the future, he has already begun to do in microcosm in the present, in the church. Where before there was division, people who had nothing in common except maybe hostility or ambivalence, God is uniting as one. That in the church, you can see a preview of the unified, restored cosmos to come. It's a trailer for the great end-time movie of a new heaven and a new earth. It's the pilot program that God has on display for all to see. So, the relationships you have with the person on the other end of the aisle, the row, or the other side of the room has unbelievable cosmic significance. No little relationships, no petty disputes, no small friction. God is doing something cosmic and magnificent through the relationships with the people you're sitting beside. He's using you in the church to display his 
incredible plan for this universe. This gives purpose and significance to the conversations you're going to have when we're done here. With the people you walk out of here with, the people you have lunch with, the people you're trying to avoid, the people you don't know. What is your relationships with the people in this body displaying to those who watch? If God is doing this amazing thing in the church, if Ogletown Baptist Church, among all churches who follow Jesus and believe the Bible, if we are displaying this unbelievable unification of a restored universe, don't you want to be a part of that? It's already happening. Don't you want to join? Don't you want your family to be a part of that? And we think about like, you know, all the elements in my life, work, family, recreation, vacation, church, commute, and it's just kind of one in the list. And we think of the really important things in life, we think about maybe something going on in Washington, D.C., or in Hollywood, or in some global summit. None of those are part of God's plan to display what he's doing in the universe. But the church is. Those seem like places of power and influence. This is where it's happening. You mean that God would use flawed, needy people. That God would use weakness to show his strength? Oh, yes. Because it's not how good we do at that. It's how good Jesus is at that. He's the one restoring not just the universe, but our church. This is a benefit you want to tap into that you want to be a part of. So these are some benefits of belonging to the body, of being the body. There's a benefit of belonging, of help, guidance, purpose. There are more in the scriptures that I commend to you. But I want to leave you today with four questions that I hope will be food for thought as we leave today. Number one. What other benefits that I enjoy in life are keeping me from fully benefiting from Christ's body? So as a pastor, in some ways it's kind of like being a dad. I may tell someone in my family, eat your vegetables. And it's not because that's just what dads say. And it's not just because I like to see children squirm and make faces eating things they don't like. 
because it's because it's good. It's good for them. The benefits in Christ's body, they are they are good. And they're good for you. I commend them to you. I invite you into the good of them. Number two, what is the next step I need to take toward belonging? And maybe that belonging is here. Maybe it's in another body. But you need, brother and sister, you need to belong to a place where you can enjoy the benefits and have others enjoy the benefits of belonging. What are those next steps you need to take? Third, how have I shown this past month that I am dependent on other members of this body? Attendance is one thing. But what about showing that you need someone else? Have you asked for prayer? Have you talked about how you're doing? Or have you asked anybody else how you can pray for them or how they're doing? How have you shown that kind of Christ-honoring dependence in the last month? If you haven't, can I commend that to you? The Lord gives grace to those who are humble, but he resists the proud. And lastly, what people do I know in the body who are discouraged? And what can I do this week to help? Hmm. I'm not sure I know. We'll maybe start there. We'll be done in a minute. Unless someone sprints to the door, you might have a chance to talk to them. I hope you will. I hope you find the good in those conversations and in those relationships. And brother and sister, go in the truth. Now, this is not just some handle you're going to crank and watch good come out the other side. This is something that God is doing and already doing and preparing the way for you. Go in that confidence. He's put you in this body for a reason. And he's going to guide your steps and guide your lips even when you don't feel like you know what to say next. I hope you benefit from being the body of Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for telling us these things. We need to hear what's true, what we've missed, what we've forgotten, these features that are so easy to not think about. Thank you that you've already done these things, but Lord, help us to engage with what you've already done, to move through our comfort zone into the lives of others, to be humble, to let them do the same, and to be patient and gracious as we stumble forward. Help us, we pray. You've promised to build your church. Oh, Lord, would you keep that promise even more and more as we move through the days ahead. We pray all this in the good and the strong name of Jesus. Amen.